Hello church family. Today we're going to look at uh, the conversion of Saul from uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 1. And we'll go to 22 today. And uh, again, just to kind of summarize where we've gone so far. Uh, at this point of, this, of the book of Acts, uh, there's just been mass persecution. And that, dis that persecution causes a dispersion of the gospel throughout the Sumerian world and the Gentile world. And if you remember uh, last two, the last two episodes, we talked about the, the unbeliever, the false convert, and Simon, the, the sorcerer person, the person who does all this witchcraft, who only came to saving faith or professed faith, only to realize that he was still bondage to his own sin. Uh, he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit to help him do a more miraculous thing. And Peter confronts him and tells him that, um, that, he, that he needs to repent. He tells him that he, his, his motives are wicked and his heart is corrupted. And he, he pleads with him to, uh, to return from that and receive Christ. Then uh, the story continues and move on, moves on to, um, uh, to Philip again, going out and now this time witnessing to an Ethiopian eunuch that ends up actually um, getting saved. That person uh, was reading uh, the book of Isaiah and uh, God providentially moved Philip to, Dema uh, to this road here and uh, he hears um, he hears this Ethiopian eunuch reading the book and God instructs him to go evangelize to him and he does that and what ends up happening is he gets saved, he, goes get, he gets baptized and he leaves uh, rejoicing. Meanwhile Philip is found um, you're taken and snatched up by the, uh, the Lord, and he goes and preaches somewhere else. And now, as, this, uh, as all this is going on, Saul was killing Christians. Um, I think I've mentioned earlier that it doesn't seem, it doesn't really specify how long this has been going from when, uh, from when Stephen died to, to this point. So it means that Paul or Saul had a reputation of killing Christians. It wasn't just this thing that happened once, but it was this ongoing. Uh, situation of, uh, of him persecuting and trying to get Christians to be thrown in jail or to even have them murdered. Uh, now the lesson I want us to teach or go through the, today is just that we should never give up on those who may seem to be the least likely to be saved. There are people in our life that may seem uh, that their hearts are hardened to the gospel, uh, but yet that the Lord at any given moment can change a person. And we as Christians need to be ready and be uh, willing to share the gospel uh, to those that the Lord has drawn to us so that, um, so that his name may be known and the person to be saved. So let's look at that. Acts chapter 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul here basically is, he, he has this he he has this, he doesn't necessarily even have a anger towards Christians um, because that's not enough. He wants to go beyond that. It was not he was not content with just trying to remove them from out of Jerusalem. Actually, it says that he's he went to ask if he was able to take anyone from uh, any any Christian that, that along the way to to bring them back to Jerusalem and then have them tried and basically get killed the way Stephen was killed. And you'll notice what's interesting here. 
it's the, uh, the Luke here describes Christianity as the way, uh, and and it's a really cool. I wish we actually could take that, but it just sounds, uh, I think, too new age for us. But that's a cool definition of what it means to be a Christian. That the you know Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life, and they're uh, using that idea that Jesus is the only way to salvation. So the Christians at the time, one of the names that they were called was the way, and, and this phrase shows up. Um, I think about six times uh, in the, in this chapter or in this book. So this is here, and then chapter nineteen, verse nine says that. Uh, but when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tenassus. And then twenty-three, verse uh, chapter nineteen, verse twenty-three um, says that uh, about that time. There was a small disturbance concerning the way, and um, this, and then just for your own reference, chapter twenty-two, verse four, chapter twenty-four, verse fourteen, and twenty-two. Uh, these are all uh, different points in the New Testament, or at least in the Book of Acts, where it's called the way, which means that Luke. Um, I mean, this must have been some sort of common phrase that Christians were identified themselves with, um, and then they were uh, known by that. Um, and uh, Paul, or Saul here, said that if you've encountered anyone, he wants to kill them. He, 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 was, he was, and he wants to be commissioned by these Jewish people to capture and kill Christians. Uh, and he, he gets this approval here, or at least that's what he's hoping. Verse thir uh, 3, as he was traveling, it happened uh, that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told uh, you what you must do. So at, uh, as on, his on the way there, Saul was humble to the point that he fell on the ground. He's, he's essentially like bowing. And uh, he hears this voice, and he's like, why are you persecuting me? And his response is, he has this acknowledgement that it must be divine, uh, that it wasn't just something that uh, happened randomly, uh, that it, it, he wasn't like just going blind, but that what he was experiencing was something that, um, that was supernatural, that was beyond him. And obviously this is Jesus asking Saul, why is he doing this? And, um, and, and Jesus instructs him to go to the city, and he'll be given instructions. Uh, and this, this, is, this is a message that's uniquely to him. Verse 7, the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. It's meaning that he, Saul was the only one that was blinded, but yet everyone around there was able to hear the voice of Christ. Uh, verse 8, Saul got up from the ground, and uh, though his eyes were open, he could, not, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So this is fascinating that he's, he's brought there, and I'm sure he was fasting to figure out what's going on. Um, I don't know if, how much of the gospel made sense to him, or he was probably just spending those three days contemplating what he's experiencing. Um, you know, he's been killing Christians all this time, all the, all, and he, he was one of those people, these Jewish people that were that thought that Christianity was false, that it cannot be true. And that the Jesus Messiah dying on the cross for sin and rising from death, he thought that all of these are lies. And I would imagine during this time he's contemplating whether or not those things are true. Um, there is probably a connection between, even Paul was a 
very intelligent person. He knew the Old Testament well. So during that time, I'm sure he's trying to build those connections between the Old and what's he, what he's experienced and what he's heard about Christian, Christianity. And some people have wondered how old Paul was during this time. Um, I think that he's probably around the same age as Jesus, which is possible, which means that at some point Jesus was teaching when Paul was still alive. And, and there, it's possible he's heard of him and even those like encounters, like what he's heard in those, uh, all the rumors of this person, um, he's wondering whether or not he's ever like walked past uh, or even uh, heard Jesus teach. Uh, but whatever the case is, he's just contemplating and, and um, thinking about what's happening to him. And because of that, he was essentially fasting uh, for, for those three days. Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus. And this is really cool because God already brought uh, the right people at the right time. And uh, this was um, you know, God's way of using seemingly random events for his purposes. In this case, he's using his person name, Ananias. Now, obviously, this Ananias is not the same one that was killed for lying to the apostles. So this is a different person. It's a bit, you know, it's just, just like there are multiple Johns and multiple Phils and multiple Simons in the book in the scriptures, this is just another Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And it sounds similar uh, to verse 5 when you know, Paul was asking, Who are you, Lord? Um, in verse 11, And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now what's really fascinating about this is that you know, you know Saul or Paul was you know, fasting and praying these three days and it seems to be indicating in this text that the Lord was given uh, some sort of illumination that like here this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a man named Ananias and again Paul have no Saul or Paul has no clue who Ananias is. He just knows that someone's going to lay hands on him and then he will regain his sight. So he's like wrestling with all of this theologically and, and physically. Um, and, and as this is going on, God uh, brings up someone to go and witnesses to him. And it was just a lesson for all of us that every gospel encounter that we have, every opportunity that we have to share the gospel is not random. We should see every chance we get to share the gospel as God's divine appointment for that moment to be able to go share the gospel with people. And we need to seize that opportunity, uh, whether it is something with family or co-workers, we should be praying for those opportunities and when those things come, that we're ready to be able to explain uh, and defend the faith that we have. Uh, verse 13, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here at his, uh, here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So he's scared. And I, and I think it's a right thing to be, uh, to be fearful. I mean, uh, you know how we have uh, people that are like religious extremists that are like on the news. Just imagine if one of those people started coming to the church and said, and, and just you know, his welcome, his new visitor, and wanting to be a Christian, he was converted. How many of you would invite him into your home? If especially if this guy is known to be a Christian killer. So there's a natural fear. He's asking God, like, is he sure? Even though, obviously, we know that God knows. But he, he's heard so much about Saul that he's terrified. He doesn't want, um, he doesn't, I mean, he's just afraid. This is his natural reaction to uh, Saul's reputation. Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he has chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. For I know him. 
for I will show him how much, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And this is interesting that this is uh, Saul's mission. He tells Ananias, like, he's going to go and make the, build the church of Gentiles and Jews. He's going to talk to all of them. And in doing all this, he's going to learn a lot about suffering. And I don't think what God is doing is like karma. Like, I don't think he's trying to make Saul go through uh, what he, the, the type of pressure that he uh, put on the Christians. I think this whole time he's just trying to, um, he's just going to use Paul in such a unique way. And suffering is part of the ministry that Saul has to go through. Which is, again, if you look in our life, we understand that might be for us too. I think some of the biggest fears that we have and, and with all the you know, things, social unrest and political unrest is that we fear that we're going to be uh, treated poorly and that we're going to have to suffer for the Lord's uh, namesake. And you just have to realize that that is a reality for Christians. That it is actually very abnormal that Christians are not suffering for the faith. And that it is normal for Christians just to, to go through different turmoils and trials uh, because that's the normal life of the Christians, that they hate God. People want to resist God. They don't want to know God, and every time we live for God, it's a it's, it's a pricking of their conscience so that they know that they're doing they're actually doing something wrong. So I think that's what's going on here. I think uh, um, the Lord is telling him that Saul's going to be used in that way. Verse 17. So Ananias departed, entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, brother Saul, and then, even then, like here, Ananias, after hearing from the Lord, understands that okay, if this is this is God's plan for him. That he's my brother. That he is the, he. No matter how bad he was, he that's all taken care of, and he's going to. He doesn't see him as like a threat anymore. But he, and then I see Saul as his brother. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, just this the fact that like. You know, Saul getting a dream or some vision, knowing that Ananias is going to be there. Ananias shows up, reveals himself that what he's going to do. And again, Ananias had had no idea um, what happened to uh, uh, Saul beforehand. He just knew that he only knew because God told him. But up until that point, it wasn't like this is some planned or he's uh, uh, situation where he looked from a distance. The Lord gave him uh, the instruction that he needed to go affirm to Saul that like, hey. Uh, what you've gone through, I know because God was there and God told me what's going on. And this is what God told me to do for you. And that is to, that he will regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, verse 18, immediately fell, there were, fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. Um, now again, this is kind of like what we talked about last week about the importance of baptism. The Ethiopian eunuch, the moment he understood the connection between the Old Testament, especially particularly Isaiah, to the modern time, that the result of that seeing that vastness of God and His faithfulness through time, that it made him uh, want to be a worshiper of God, and and what he believed, the result is that he he wanted to get baptized. He wanted to get baptized. And that's exactly what happened to Saul as well. The moment he realized what's going on, he got, he did the spiritual thing, the right thing first, which is uh, he he went, he believed, uh, he was saved, and then he went to get baptized, and then he went to get some food to strengthen, because uh, he didn't eat for three days. Continuing on, verse nineteen. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, "He is the Son of God." And if you recall, uh, you notice this is proclaiming here. It's uh, it's kind of like the same word of, of um, it was like a public 
uh, proclamation. So it was Acts chapter 8, verse 5, when Philip did this. Uh, now Saul's doing the same thing. He's out proclaiming the gospel. He's, he's uh, teaching wherever he goes, particularly now in Damascus and in synagogues. And he's telling that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. First one, all those hearing him continue to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Yeah, some people did not believe. So, you know, Paul is a place where the, his old, the group that he identified with before, the the, Jude, the people in Judaism are, are upset with him and confused by what he's doing. And all the apostles were also confused about who, who saw how the Lord is using Saul. And this is something that uh, we need to understand that in the life of the Christian, that's how it is too. The moment you become saved, you will become unrecognizable in the beginning to both sides. To the people who've known you, when you if you're a Christian and you radically live for the Lord, your life is going to look different to them. For those who know, who, who are just like your acquaintances or co-workers, and you become radically saved, uh, those two people will look, uh, non-Christians will also look at you differently. So whether believers or not believers, uh, if, you, if they've seen you for a while, uh, just be prepared and know that people are not going to believe you right away. You, and that's something that was what Saul was going through. He knew that he is not, he's basically attacked from both ends. Uh, but he was—he loved Jesus. He was—he realized who his savior is. He doesn't care. We keep—he kept going and preaching and proclaiming God's word. Verse 22. Paul Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Again, I would imagine this is kind of like the Ethiopian eunuch who was just studying scripture and found out that you know, the Isaiah passage actually talks about Jesus. Understand that I think Saul here because he's such a Jew, uh, Old Testament scholar in that way, he's trying to prove to the world uh, in those he's encountered that Jesus Christ truly is the Lord. And, and he's using scripture to do it. He's, he's recalling things from the Word of God so that uh, people can make those connections. And people are not sure how to take it. Uh, they're just like surprised by this. And I think the lesson for us again is to remember that we should never give up. We should never give up on how the Lord can change someone from hating God to loving and devoting their entire life for them. All we need to do is be ready. Just like how Ananias was just seemingly in a random place, but God has moved him to go and tell the gospel to Paul so that he can be used by the Lord in a very unique way. So it is with us in our life. We are just need to be prepared we, as we're here and waiting for the Lord to uh, give us open, open door for opportunities for us to share the gospel. That it should be that we're faithful in, in the in the task we're in the moment, and we all, we're always open to the Lord throwing a wrench in our life uh, to to help us minister to people that otherwise uh, that are very difficult and maybe um, scary to witness to. But yet we trust in the power of God and working through the life of individuals, just like how Saul here was known as a Christian murderer, and now he's going to be the instrument of the Lord to build His church. And that's a lesson for us to, to think, just never give up on those in our life because the Lord can change them. Because if the Lord can change the life of Saul from being this Christian hater and destroyer to the one building the church, then the Lord can save any of us for his purposes and for his glory. Thanks for listening to this episode. Take care and have a great day.